I'm Sal Abenanti, the artist of the high and creator of the hostage, and this is uh, Spoiler Country. Hey, hey, people of Earth, it's time to enter the Spoilerverse via our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with our hosts, John and Kenrick. Welcome to Spoiler Country. Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on Spoilerverse.com. But... If you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcaster, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us and leave us a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at spoilercountry at gmail.com. World travelers, agoraphobic conquerors, welcome back. Spoil the country. I'm Kenneth Regan. That is the inalienable Mr. Horsley. And today on the show, well, it's Sal Abenati, isn't it? It is, man. You had a chance to talk with him, and it sounds like you had a good time because you messaged me right afterwards. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, so, people who don't know, uh, Sal is the, well, he's the art dealer, for lack of a better term, for the great Alex Ross. And the amazing Bill Sankovich. And those two's art has transcended what it means to be a comic book artist. And Sal is the guy that yeah. sets up everything at the cons and puts everything. He's the reason that you have the gallery style uh, displays of Alex Ross when you go into, say, the San Diego Comic Con. That's so, it's, that's cool. And I, which I think is really cool because to me, Alex Ross and, and, and Sankovich and well, just really all those amazing artists in the comic realm are high art to me and they deserve to be treated like that way. And I think he was, he's just trying to show a different way of looking at it, which I love it. You know, funny story about Alex Ross real quick before we get into this. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was in college, I took a fine art class, right? Yeah. And one of our, our one of our projects was we had to basically study and do a ten page paper on a fine artist that we that we liked. Yeah. And I tried to do it on Alex Ross. Yeah. And because Alex Ross does what I consider to be fine art at, to the T. Yep. And um, my teacher told me in no uncertain terms is anybody who draws comics would ever be considered a fine artist. You've, you've said this story before. Yeah. That is. Yeah. And nuts. I quickly dropped his class. Yeah. Like you don't think? I mean, that's ridiculous because you can't tell me that this is not fine art just because the subject matter is not. You know, flowers and daisies. It's not doesn't mean not fine art because it's the subject as a superhero. No one knew who Van Gogh was until after he died, right? So you can't sit there and judge it. And you know what? And if he knew what fine art was and and was an amazing artist in his own right, or had the ability to to talk about fine art, he wouldn't be teaching it. Yeah, it's it was. (laughs) I was kind of irritated. It was a good class up until that point. Then I was like, I'm not doing this. (laughs) Not at a junior college. Yeah. I don't know. Just, people's arrogance like that just piss me off. It's just, it's like, how do you even begin? Sal, this guy, Sal, he's awesome. You guys are going to really love his his demeanor. You're going to love the way his passion 
for the median because he is a true, true comic book aficionado and fan, and he just loves it. He's lived it. He breathes it, and he has done comic books in the past. He had Atomica that came out uh, about 20 years ago, maybe a little longer. This one is called The Hostage. Uh, it takes place in the favelas of Rio de Janeiro. If you don't know what a favela is, that is the ghetto of Rio. Um, you think the ghettos here in America are bad. Uh, they have nothing on there. The average life expectancy of a young man growing up in a favela is less than 23. You have kids crazy. that are leaving home at seven, eight years old because they're being abused so bad at home, they'd rather live on the streets. And people are throwing rocks at them and killing them just because of the way it looks. You know? That is it's insane. horrifying. Yeah, it's insane. So Sal went down to Brazil when he was 25, and he had a life-changing experience seeing the different classes of the extremes in a country that is with beautiful people and amazing food and this tourist destination. And then there's this tragedy that's happening right around the corner, you know? So he wrote a book, yeah, a graphic novel called the hostage. And it's basically when the blood of an innocent child is gone into the earth in Brazil, then a spirit, a, a spirit rises to take vengeance. And it's it, it's a cool concept, and it's really I don't know the art is fantastic. Sal does all the art. Uh, he did everything except for the lettering. He did the art, the the penciling, the the inking, the the writing the story. That's amazing. All the color work. It's really really good, and I'm super excited. And hopefully, you guys will check this out and go over to Kickstarter and give his give his Kickstarter campaign some love because uh, he's already funded, but he's got, it's so cool looking. I just think that, you know, you really should check it out and hopefully, hopefully we'll get a second one because this one does so well. Yeah. Hopefully man. What do you say? We just uh, sit back and take a listen. I'm excited to hear more about yep. this. Let's do this. Guys, we're back, and today on the show, well, it's Sal Abenanti, and you may not know Sal's name, but you know his cohorts, and you've been around him, especially if you are a con person, like you know we are here, and you've gone to San Diego Comic-Con, and you've gone to New York Comic-Con, and you see those big displays of Alex Ross, well, Sal's a big part of that, and he's got an amazing Kickstarter with one of my favorite countries in the whole wide world, Brazil. And it's called The Hostage. And I seriously implore you to go and Kickstarter, put in The Hostage, put in Sal, and it's going to come right up and check it out because it looks fantastic. Sal, welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Yeah. You know, it's just, this is like our little thing with comics, man. We got to look out for each other. Yeah, exactly. So you got... The hostage going on right now. I'm going to bring it up on my side yeah. so I can see it and talk better about it. Where did this come from? What's it about? And how were you inspired? I, I it's the hostage in a nutshell. It's just it's it deals with the homeless kids, the, the street kids that live in in Rio de Janeiro, and in the favelas. You know what? They, 
the favelas, what they have to go through. There's no place to eat. There's no place to sleep. They they sleep in you know in the streets. They live in the garbage. It's just it's a terrible existence, and yeah. they're being murdered daily by the by the killing squads that are kind of organized by the locals to eradicate these kids. And so I it was inspired by some time I spent in Brazil when I was in college and I saw, you know, these kids firsthand and it just it just some things I just couldn't unsee. Yeah. And it it broke my heart. And so I just I combined it with, you know, you you, you see the the different varieties of religions that are practiced in Brazil from Umbanda to the Mbutu and all this, the, the stuff from the indigenous tribes and the, the African religions that were brought there from the slaves. So I felt there was a story there that I wanted to tell without creating this American superhero narrative right. of like, I know I'll put it in the favelas and, and have it be ghost rider only in Brazil. I mean, right. that wasn't my, my motivation. My style was not, I wanted to go in the front door and it wasn't going to happen. So my style was not the house style at Marvel in DC. It was more of an indie style. Right. So the only way I was going to put a book out was to do it myself. That's awesome. And when I, I knew I wanted to do a book, I, you know, I said, look, man, you got to do something personal if it's going to resonate. So this was something that was near and dear to me, my experience in Brazil. That's awesome. When did you tour the favelas when you were there? A little bit. I mean, I, I got, you know, I, I went there just, you know, the full of shit college kid and went yeah. there to, to drink and have fun. And it was going to be like, you know, I was going to be like Fred Astaire, you know, and, <laughs> and run along the beach and it was going to be all the, and, 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 you know, you know, Brazil is all those things. Yeah. It's great food and yep. beautiful people and the, the sun and, you know, but there's also an underbelly to it. There's Big a time. lot of homeless kids. There's a lot of poverty. There's very there's there's not a lot of middle class right. in in Rio. There's where they're wealthy or there's poor, and so uh, living in the na- living with this family, I got a chance to see firsthand these thousands and thousands of homeless kids, all you know under the age of ten. Right. I mean, we we think of homeless here in the states, and it's like either you know uh, chemical dependency or, or you've got some people that are down on their luck, but they're usually right. grown ups. Right. You don't see a lot of little kids. <laughs> In five years old, there's there's thousands of them living in the streets of Rio, and they've, they've got that thousand mile stare when they look at you. You know, their 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 life is has been honed, their survival skills have been sharpened from yeah. having to live on the streets. And I just, I, it just spoke to me. I just felt I, I carried this thing around with me for a lot of years, and I needed to get it out. The favelas are no joke, and. My ex-wife was from Brazil, and they didn't have favelas. She had they obviously there's favelas in Hasifi and stuff. Nothing like what is in Brazil in in Rio. There's just not a comparison. I think the average, I don't. I, I think the average lifespan of, of a young man in the favelas in Rio is less than 21 right now. Yeah, it's under 23. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's just insane. We, had, we went when when we went there. We I went there with two or three of my friends' buddies. And they were like, hey, come on, we're driving around. And we went into the favelas off of just north of the, the Copacabana region yeah, over near the port. And and we needed to get permission to go in this one neighborhood yeah, because it was there were, there were these drug lords and these drug czars that had these, these spotters. From the these local sweepers, gang. They call them, these canaries, these kids that, that, you know, watch for the cops. And I said, what's going on? And I go, we're, we're, the guy said, we're okay. We got permission and we could go in. 
And I was like, wow, that's, that's besides like the wild west. It's insane. It's insane because the <laughs> government has no control of what's going on there and they just build like people just build on top of each yeah. other. There's no, yeah. Hey, can I get a they, get zoning? They pipe, they pipe their own electricity. They tap it off of the pipe. I mean, yeah. the, the, the mismatch of wires is, is incredible. Yeah. You know, and it just, it was just going there. The American kid, I just, I'd never seen anything like it. I'd never experienced anything like my time in Rio. I mean, it, it, for better or for worse, it was a real kick in the ass. So what is your comic? How does it convey the message of what you're trying to do? Is, is it because obviously I've looked over the Kickstarter, but you don't, you know, I'm not reading it yet. And I'm, yeah. I'm actually pledging for the hardcover edition if there's any left. So well, actually, thank you. Oh, there'll, there'll, there'll be some way. We're going to do it right now, actually. Uh, it was, it was, you know, I, I just felt that I wanted to tell the story of these kids, but not in a condescending way because these kids are not, they don't see themselves as victims. They see themselves right. as survivors. They see themselves as that's the only way they survive. They're not looking for your pity. They're not looking for your help. And I just felt that this, you know, when you're on the beach, when you go walk down the beach and you see these religious offerings, you know, on the beach, yeah. they, they're scared shitless of those things. I mean, they're scared shitless of the Umbanda, you know, and the different religions that, that leave their offerings in the sand. And I thought, man, they, they're, they're scared. And I said, what is this stuff? And when I talk to people, there are these religions that, that are there to ward off evil spirits and to protect you from your enemies and things like that. So I yeah. thought, well, what about these kids? You know, do they have, so the hostage is kind of that, that dream that every kid has, that he has these evil spirits that protects him and that rises to kind of avenge him or, or, you know, ward off whatever his predator is. So the hostage only rises when the blood of a murdered child enters the soil of Brazil. And so the, oh. the, the you know, the country itself the soil yeah. you know it literally rises to to protect these kids and that's in a nutshell what the hostage is about oh that is awesome filtered that's... through my experience there you yeah. know and then chapter two is there is the kids that that are confronted by the SWAT teams that enter the favelas constantly to you know to do battle with them and the shootouts they have with them so that's a little different and then chapter three is kind of a short epilogue of my motivation for the book and and how it came about and, and yeah. what inspired me to kind of have to do this story. What did you think? Did you watch the movie City of God? Mm-hmm. What'd you think of that when you watched it? Sure. It No, I mean, I found it fascinating. I found it, it, it was, you know, it was great because of the, the locations. They shot it on location in Rio. Yeah. It captured a lot of the essence of the way these kids live their daily existence. I mean, they lived their whole life in 20 years. Yeah. And you see, you know, you see kids that are, 12 years old that that look you in the eye when you walk down the street that you know well, you know they'll cut your throat for you know for your sunglasses yeah so you know it's a, it's a it's a formidable place beautiful yet formidable and and it's just kind of one of those things that it wasn't what i expected yeah i mean it was it was the the, the dichotomy was incredible i mean the people the food the beauty carnival and copacabana and the nightlife <laughs> And yet, boom, you turn a corner yeah. and there's 30 kids sleeping in a doorway, you know, using newspaper as blankets, sleeping on the sidewalk where they're, they're, the sores on their back from sleeping on the concrete for, you know, for years has just kind of, you know, created these scales on them. So yeah. it, it's hard to walk through it and not have it affect you. Right. It's mind blowing. You know what? 
it was, it was, it was life altering for me. I came home and I was like, man, and I'm worried about like, you know, where we're going to go eat. You know, <laughs> yeah. No matter how bad, like that. No, no matter how bad <laughs> the things in Chicago goes, you think this is nothing compared to what happens in Rio. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, you kind of, you know, yeah, our definition of rich in this country is you, you watch a rap video and if yeah. you don't have, you know, a bling and a Rolls Royce, you think, oh, I'm not rich. It's like, trust me, if you've got a roof over your head and clean water and food, you're and a rich place to sleep. You're doing pretty damn good. I mean, compared to the rest of the world. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a weird. So when I was up in Hasifi and I went down to Japatatinga, which is a very small town, it's a very small beach town, but you would see as you're driving through the country, we got to drive through the country, which was really cool because you saw parts of Brazil that you normally wouldn't see, but you would see these little shanty towns that would just spring up overnight and they're laid on the side of the road and they're just made out of straw, straw houses, one after another, after another. And there'd be like a thousand people just living there and they're just nomadic and they just go from, they just go until somebody kicks them off that area. Yeah. It's not, it's a lot of, I mean, in, in the the name the hostage came from. These kids mostly sleep during the day. Yeah, because they're preyed upon more at night, you know, by locals and by people. Literally drive by and throw a brick at them, or yeah. or, or literally try to eradicate them and murder them at night. So they usually stay awake at night, or or take turns guarding each other at night, and they sleep during the day. But when they sleep during the day, you know, from Brazil, how bright it is. They they take their t-shirts and they wrap them around their their eyes like blindfolds yeah so when you walk down the street you've got like 30 kids all intertwined into each other to keep warm and they've all got like blindfolds on and i said my god they look like hostages you know they look like they're they were kidnapped and they're being held hostage oh. so that's kind of that's where the name came from that's a that's cool where way the to, title came yeah from. that's a that's a great way that's yeah i it, that's it's a hard subject to talk about because it almost feels like the people have gotten to a point of feeling pity to resentment. And is that where the killings are coming from? You think that they're just so resenting that you're even on the street. It's it's a lot of resentment. It's a lot of not knowing how to deal with it. It's a lot knowing how, not how to deal with your daily life yet. Yeah. Turning your back on these kids because they keep coming down from the favelas and it's motivated by poverty. It's motivated by, they're they're tired of getting the shit kicked out of them by their parents they're tired of you know they're hungry so they come down and they're like they got nothing to lose the alternative is worse to them they usually if you talk to any of them it's usually motivated by they're tired of their father beating them and they're tired of of living in the favelas or not you know their mother telling them hey we don't got enough room for you or i mean every everyone is a different story but it was a deep dive it was a tough subject to 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 confront daily, you know, when I was, I did a lot of research with, with Amnesty International and with, with referencing over the years, but yeah, you know, it, it's not for everybody, but then again, my style was not for everybody. You know, you see by my work, it's just not Mark Bagley. You know, right. I'm not, I was not a mainstream comic artist, which is what I wanted to be. So when I knew my style was, was disturbing as, as some vertigo editors called it, <laughs> I thought, you know, I'm going to do, you know, the hell with these guys, you know, I'm going to do what I want and I'm going to do something that meant a lot to me and was a strong subject in my mind of the kids. You know, I just couldn't get these kids out of my head. I kept going back to these kids, you know, and and I did an indie book, Atomica, 
about six or seven years ago, which was a Soviet superhero. And because I, I wanted to do a Kirby esque American superhero, and yeah. it was fine. And I, you know, yeah, but fun. Yet, in my mind, it was not personal. It was, right. it was not something that was that I felt strongly about. And the hostage was something that I just felt, you know, my time in Brazil, I, I, I think of it every day. I'm sure as you, I'm sure your time there, you, you, you know, it changed who you are as an American. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Cause you experienced things you wouldn't have experienced in the U S. Yep. You know? Yep. 100%. So I was always grateful. You know, I always was grateful to Brazil for that. Who was your influence artistically and writing wise when you, when you sat down to do this book? It started as a straightforward narrative, you yeah. know, where, where, you know, I grew up where, you know, I was, I was a John Buscema guy. I was a Kirby guy. Yeah. I was a Gil Kane guy, John Romita, you know, all the those greats. my guys, yeah. you know, I mean, but what I got most from Kirby was that, you know, comics are supposed to be exaggeration. They're supposed to be a product of your imagination. You're yep. supposed to take whatever you're feeling in that, in that particular narrative in that particular shot and and you evoke it you don't go get reference for it you know if kirby drew a car he made up a car yeah you know and that like a kid does and so and but i but i also learned a lot from bill sinkevich bill sinkevich was was what i got from bill was that constantly try to surprise yourself constantly try to push what the narrative is or what people think of as the narrative because the audience doesn't know what they want. Right. Or they'd be an artist, you know, I mean, an artist, you got to kind of give them what you want and, and they don't know what they want until they see it. Right. And then and all of a sudden they know exactly what they want. <laughs> yeah. And I had nothing to lose and I didn't have an editor to answer to because none of them uh, would hire me. Yeah. And I did, I put out indie books to spite Marvel and DC because awesome. Marvel and DC was never going to hire me. Yeah. And, and, and that's what I told, you know, the guys ask me all the time, how do I get into comics? I'm like, don't ask me guys. Cause I couldn't get into comics, mainstream <laughs> comics, but the desktop publishing isn't what it was. Yeah. Make comics. That's how you get ago. into comics. You could put out a comic now, you know, you could do yep. 50 copies. You could do 20 copies of your book. Now, most of that is going to have to come from your perspiration. You're going to have to sit down and, and do the work, but we need indie comics and indie creators more than ever yep. because Marvel and DC are becoming, coming narrower and narrower to where they're becoming like the chip aisle at, at the grocery store. Yeah. You know, you're getting Frito ruffles and the pork rinds are getting pushed out. Right. And there's a lot of people that still like Funyuns and pork rinds, you know? Right. Right. So I, I told guys, rides. I go, man, we need, we need those indie titles. Heck yeah. I mean, it's tough. You're going to have to get out there and hustle, but you know, I mean, it's like, what do you, what are you left with? You're left with just the, the two big publishers telling you, it's this just is what all you like, Batman, right? You know, Too many it's Batman another, titles. It's just all, all Warner Brothers is going to do is stay on the Batman tit for the next ten years. Easy, and, you know. And Marvel has become, you know, it's movie driven monster. Now. They become, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, they don't want to even acknowledge. You know, when you know it's the it's the sign, it's a bad sign. Is you know how at the beginning of the Marvel movies they show that during the credits they got that flipping of the images yep. where it says Marvel films. They used to be images of comic images. Yeah. And now they're images of the actors. Yeah. You know, uh, Captain America is not the Kirby Captain America. It's it's, it's the, the actor of right. Captain America. Right. So they don't even want to acknowledge that the comics exist anymore. You know, they don't want to give credit. That's you know, they don't point, want man. to give. 
Yeah, most people don't re- who love Black Panther don't realize that he was created by two Jewish guys right. in the '60s at Marvel. Right. You know, they think he just he just was the man. You know, Hollywood came up with him and threw him out there. Like, no. And it's like they don't even want to acknowledge that the comic book characters they these these characters all have a history. Yeah. You know, they all have you know mythology is there. Yep. yep. That's why people get so and, mad when and, they watch they the movies. Be embarrassed. <laughs> Yeah, why are they embarrassed of them? Why are they ashamed of them? I mean, it's like you shouldn't be. No. I mean, you know, soap operas and comic books are like the original American media, you know, original American creations. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know about soap operas, but I know comic books are like in Europe, my God, they're revered. You know, yeah. they love them, you know, comic book artists. Because they're so know, good. I'm do my favorite indie artist right now. Well, my favorite writer, and he's the his writer is Stefan Frank. And I don't know if you've mm-hmm. seen his stuff, but Silver and then his new work, Palomino. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And it's, so it's like, yeah, you're right. I mean, if you don't have and having a, a platform like Kickstarter to allow these indie books to get the money they need to, to distribute on a larger scale, I don't think you could do without it. You know? Well, it's 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 tough. I mean, yeah. look, when I did when I put Atomica out. The the way you you put out an indie title was really primitive. I mean, yeah. you put an ad in Diamond, and you know you wait <laughs> and you until hope. you get your orders from the comic store owners. And most comic store owners never get to the indie section. Right? They don't the want to take that chance. They, they don't. Yeah, they don't order indie comics because th- there's no brand loyalty there. When yep. you go into a comic store, they're like cigarettes. Do people have their brand loyalty? They're right. Superman, they're Batman, they're Wolverine, and they're Spidey. And then there's everything it. out. Yep. But with Kickstarter, when I was going to put out the hostage, it was pre-COVID. I was like, well, what am I going to do? Go through Diamond again? And right. it's nice, but it's not terribly scientific. Right. You know, I'm going to wait around. And most comic stores, they're not going to order the hostage. There's no way no. they're going to give it a shot. Right. Not unless so you're calling them and telling what, them how awesome it is. Well, and it's even not then. like, you know, I mean, when I saw what Todd McFarlane was doing and what Brian Polito was doing and what Jimmy Palmiotti were doing and even boom was doing with Keanu Reeves and berserker and all that. I thought these guys are motivated by the money because Todd McFarlane doesn't need yeah. you, you know, to, to support it. He's doing it because it's a, it's a more direct way to talk about your product. Dude, Scott Snyder came on and talked about Noctura one. and He did a Kickstarter for, to go over the development of Noctura one. You know, and that's right, what you get exactly. is all the stuff they built up to for the exactly. image release of Nocturna One. It's genius. Exactly. And he's doing it because he loves it so well, much. Well, and not only that, comic fans, you know, they like the interaction yep. with the creator. They love more. it. That's what's so great about what Artist Alley used to be. Oh. I mean, Artist Alley, unfortunately, has gotten drained because, you know, the gal from Caddyshack, Jack has to peddle her ass there and sell her autographs. Right. And the guys from Walking Dead have to sell their autographs. And the cosplay people are there. And so now people don't even get to Artist Alley anymore because that's the know, only part I want to go just to. Don't buy. Yeah. And most people go to comic shows. They don't buy comics. I mean, I yeah. tell people, it's great. You're going to a show. There's 150,000 people. I go, yeah, guys, buy some comics. Yeah. I was so you know, excited to get there. When I go to the thing, I'm excited to see Ben Temple Smith, Mike Allred, you know, just all those guys right. that just wrote exactly. these things and drew these things that I love. Well, yeah, that's that's because you're you know, you're a comics guy yeah. and you appreciate the art form. Most guys go to the cons now because they want to take a selfie with, you know, the the cast, you know, of the Wonder Years, or they right. want to re- meet Ralph Macchio. <laughs> 
or you know they they want to take a picture with Tootie from the Facts of Life <laughs> instead of like going, hey man, you know there, there's some cool artists here. Yeah, you know I mean Sal, my honest opinion when it comes to comic book art, I I, I feel that it is no different than Picasso or any of those high end, you know hanging in the in the in the gallery yeah. guys i just yeah. don't i i think they're putting in the same amount of work they have the same amount of expression the same amount of yeah. love and, no, and everything agree. to it and i it's agree just, i mean norman rockwell in his in his lifetime he was frowned upon yeah. because he did covers for the saturday evening post he was seen as a commercial artist yeah that's just wrong you know? i mean bob <laughs> peak i mean there's a lot of great artists drew struzan and you know there's a lot of great artists who are like seen as commercial artists and now yeah. they look upon even frazetta Oh, in his day, you know, so early on, he was seen as, oh, he's a fantasy artist. That huh. doesn't count. It's <laughs> fantasy. It's, it's, you know, yeah, it's I'd erotic. Like to see any of those guys. Like, you look at it now and go, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> you know, Andy Warhol with the Brillo pads and the tomato cans, that's art. But yet Frazetta doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. So I'm like, guys, don't pedal that. <laughs> Andy Warhol was copying opinion, what a lot of the comic artists were already doing. When he did those that soup can, right, it's right. amazing. J Jack Kirby is the is the one of the greatest artists of the 20th century. Hell, I mean, dude, with, without down. exception. Yeah. yeah. You know, so when people go, oh, come on, who's a great? And I'm like, and you say Jack Kirby, they go, really? You know, he's a comic artist? Like, no, 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 man, he's an artist. Yeah. I mean, it's like, Why you're you going to you're gonna be looking at Kirby's work a hundred years from now. Trust me. Yeah. You know, you're going to look at it and go, oh, man, what the hell were we thinking? Yeah. yeah. We said he's a comic artist. You know. Well, I think that's the the, I think that's the downfall of current generations. When I say current generations, I mean people that live in the lifetime of the artist. You know, because if you look at Van Gogh, no one thought of him while it, during his lifetime. Yeah. it was when no, he was dead, right. and hundred years later, they're yeah. like, this guy was a genius, and that's what's going to happen with the the Jack Kirby's and. Right. I mean, I would right. even say like Eric we Larson hope. and. We hope. I mean, Jim we hope. So, because unfortunately, comics have, you know, like I said, there's this whole, you know, they don't want to acknowledge it kind of thing. I mean, every movie, every television show that's been based off of a comic, I mean, take your pick, whether it's The Walking Dead or Road to Perdition or any of those, they don't even acknowledge the printed word. They won't even acknowledge that it came from a comic book. Like, that's an embarrassment. That's like so that, weird. That, that's some kind of a weak form of the creative process. Like, oh, it came from a comic book. Like, that's supposed to. To what because it's not wasn't written by Shakespeare that means it's not a cool story and it's not a great narrative right I mean and so it's just it's one of those things where that's why I tell people all the time I'm like guys if you can't get in the front door and Marvel and DC don't want to hire you that's okay man yeah you know put your own book out you know because you know in doing an indie title being a comic artist is like running off and joining the circus you know I, you got to do it you, you you the circus don't need you man you need the circus yeah you know you gotta go, you gotta be an artist you don't yep. have a choice yep i asked you know, eric it's not larson like a porn star. oh i need the money you right know, it, it's i gotta be an artist I, I asked eric larson the same thing i said how do how does a new person today break into the comic book world he's like well, don't go to cons and show me splash pages of, of one right. person over. Show me a completed set of books that you've made. Show me the, yeah. the work that you've done yeah. that you can tell a story yeah. and then you show can a, draw show a story. A narrative. You yep. got to tell a story. I mean, you, you got to tell it. a story. And if it's really good and people I mean, love it, they'll come to you. Image, yeah. Marvel, DC, well, they'll come to you if they if they want you. But you, but at the beginning of it, whether you're whether it's music or dance or writing or architecture, yep. whatever it is, anything creative, you know, you've got to you've got to do it because you just you you have no choice. Yeah, 
You know, I mean, I, I wanted to draw Luke Cage. I wanted to draw Devil Dinosaur. And I went to every, you know, and there was. I stood in every portfolio line. I met with every editor and it just wasn't happening. I mean, it just was not happening. And then and it was and it broke my heart because I thought, well, shit, I can't be a comic artist. But then I thought, well, yeah, I can. I just can't do it the way that I wanted. But yeah. I had no choice. I had to keep going. I mean, so I thought. The hell with it. I'll put it out myself. Now, shit, you, you 20, you know, when I did Atomica, if you wanted to do full color and you wanted to do a book, I mean, it was 20 grand. Yeah. Right out of the gate. Minimum Whoa. order of 50,000. The printer said, hey, I only put 50,000 minimum. Because <laughs> not worth like, it for them. The hell am I going to do with 50,000 comics when, you know, you're, you're lucky if you sell 6,000 through Diamond and whatever. Right. And you go to cons, you know, but now, you could do it online. Yeah. You could do it. You Print know, on you demand can, if you, you need to. Pimp yourself. Yeah. You could get people to help you. You've got social media to get it out there. You can yep. make your own advertisements. You can, you know, you can promote yourself. Now it don't get, I'm not going to bullshit you. It's a lot of work. No. Oh, yeah. You know, you, you got to get out there and be willing to put skin in the game. Hence if you on this waiting podcast, for man. The tap on the shoulder. Yeah. Uh, you know, it ain't, it ain't happening. You know? <laughs> Eric Larson's right. I mean, you know, you got to sit, down and you got to really put in the miles. And when I put Atomica out, I thought, my God, the offers were going to be rolling in. Right. Nothing. Nothing. There were crickets. Oh. I did 12 issues and I had an Alex Ross cover. Oh. And I thought, oh, I'm in. You know, I'm yeah, I'm the next, you know, I'm the next chap yap. You, you know, think right. You know what I mean? I yeah. thought that, that I had it, I was made in the shade. Yeah. No. That's you tough. Know, it, so it just it, you you got to keep plugging, man. You got to keep running. Well, I don't know why your art is fantastic on the, on these uh, on your previews and on your Kickstarter. Well, thank you. I mean, it really is. I, I do the colors. Did you do all the coloring it yourself as well? Everything. Wow, yeah, I did everything. Yeah. yeah, I love the color, and that comes from necessity. That came from I just got tired of working with colorists, and you know, or you know, you when you do an indie title, you find the more people you get involved, the more chances you get for bullshit excuses and they miss the deadline. Yeah. And if it's not your baby, they're not going to care about it as much as you. Right. It's just not going to happen. Right. Especially yeah, if so they're not really getting gotta, you, That's that's always you, tough. You got to revere it. You know, you, you got to get in there and you got to be willing to like really go to bat for your own subject matter because free other guys are just, they may lie to you and go, Oh, Sal, we'd love to help you do most of it yourself. I mean, letterers might, God, Dave Sharp helped me, you know, did the lettering and he's a great letterer. Yeah. But you can get letterers now, you know, to, you can get a guy to letter your book now for a couple hundred dollars. It's not the end of the world. There's lots of guys out there looking for gigs. Right. You can find colorists, tremendous colorists that'll, that'll help you, do, you know, color your book for, you know, minimal amounts of money a page just right. because they want to stay busy and things like that. So, but, but does it hit the marks that you want? Well, yeah, you tell them what you want. Right. I mean, you know what you know going in what they do. You know going in what you want, and don't be afraid to say, "Hey, you know what? This is this is this, but it's a little mailed in." And then yeah. they go, "Okay," you know, and they <laughs> kick it in the ass. Mailed in, dude. Oh, you'll right. you get some pages that you could tell are like, "Wow, they did a great job," and then you'll flip to the next page and you go, "Holy shit! What was he like? He was. He wanted to go to bed early, you know." And then, <laughs> One too many drinks before you started. What happened? <laughs> right. At, but with the hostage, I just said, you know what, man, my style was just what it was. So I said, I'm going to just, I'm going to do it all myself. God, it kind of reminds me 
it you know a lot of this reminds me of the old like um 70s and 80s like heavy metal rock albums the the artwork yeah i mean i was i was a I fan of you know of the the filipino wave of guys that came in the 70s alex nino and tony desenega and rudy nebras yeah and those guys and and I you know with the flowing lines and uh, and lots of especially Alex Nino I mean when I discovered Alex Nino I was like wow this guy is you know and I just and Bill Sienkiewicz I have to honestly say that that you know what I learned learned a lot as an artist from Bill Sienkiewicz was again just just not being afraid to yeah. try new stuff uh, not being afraid to stretch dude the 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 scene with the car going across and you got the the faces underneath and the hand oh dude this looks amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, it's it's what I tell people. I tell people, look, man, whether it's for you or not, it's not like anything you've seen before. Yeah. So, which is why it was Kickstarter was perfect. Yeah. No, this is you awesome. You could go to the page. You could check it out. If it's not your cup of tea, great. If you just want to order the PDF because you want to read it, I offer it in English and in Portuguese. You know, for the Brazilian. No, oh, that's awesome. Uh, uh, comic readers, if they want to check it out. I knew that with Kickstarter, That's I didn't know a lot about Kickstarter. I, I I asked around, and a lot of people were were great in helping me. Frank over at Aspen and 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 Jimmy Palmiotti, and and people were like really cool, giving me some. You Jimmy's know, got what it you locked got, down. You got to have the stretch goals. You yeah. got to offer the the you know the extras, the perks, and so I you know Sinkevich was nice enough to to do a piece. So was Alex Ross, and that's awesome. Uh, and you know Eric Powell is a great guy, and he you know we became friends over the years. He you know Eric's awesome. We had him on just the other day. Created a piece. He's fantastic. He's such a I nice mean, guy. I've, I've loved Eric since like the Coon first came out. Yeah, and you know. Are you hoping so, to do more you know, in this vein of the hostage or is one shot? We're done. I think so. I mean, I mean, we're doing, we're doing, you know, really well right now. The book is, is funded. Yep. But, and I, th- and I think I would like to do another, you know, another volume, but I got to see, you know, I mean, I, I've got a, that, when I started to put all my notes together, because one of the perks is you get a PDF of, or, and a printed version of my my hostage sketchbook, which is all my notes and all my storyboards. That's awesome. And I had other stories, you know, the Candelaria massacre and some different, you know, other stories of, of these atrocities that happened in Brazil over the last 20 years. Yeah. And I thought, man, I, I left a lot of that in the book, in the notebook because, you know, the hostage was only meant to be, you know, 130 pages long. It wasn't going to be a phone book. Right, but I, I think I'd like to do a second volume, but we got to see and how this. You're there, one, I think you, you should. Know, I mean, already funded on your way to even more, and you're funded by quite a bit over. So it'll be awesome to see another one come out. I, I, I think it'd be. I um, think so. I mean, it's it's a labor smart. of love. I think so, and and it's I, I it again. It's a tough dive. You know, it's a tough subject matter to have to approach these kids because you got to kind of get in there and you got to give them. They're due. You got to show the reality of it. I won't patronize them and give them a dog, yeah. you know, or a little cat or do some stupid, you know, Hollywood narrative, you know, just to, to, to soften it up. Yeah. But on the same token, I'm not, I'm not ghouling it up either just for the sake of effect. This is what's going on. I mean, yeah. this is, this is the reality of what's going on. Do you, we, you've mentioned Bill Sienkiewicz a few times and man, I got to tell you his covers of the yeah. new mutants back in the eighties and early nineties. Yeah. Oh my God. That changed yeah. the way I looked at how art can be done 
for comic books. Yeah. Like I didn't yeah. think that was, you know, you were just so used to seeing, you know, just right. the standard, you know, all those guys are amazing. That's, that's what I'm saying. But he changed that, the game. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. You can learn, you can learn a lot from an artist from not like, Hey, would you, would you, would you learn from, you know, Jack Kirby, would you learn from Bill Sienkiewicz? And it's not a physical thing. Like, Oh, I draw hands this way right. because of Bill, or I draw arms this way because of it. it's, it's a philosophy. It's more of a, an abstract kind of approach towards how you go. All right. There's a guy running down the street and there's a guy chasing him, And there's, and then you go, all right, this is, this is how you would do it if it was a storyboard, but right. yeah, Bill Sienkiewicz would do it from the point of view of the headlight and you're inside the car and the car has become a lion and the lion has got fire coming out of his ass. I mean, and those are all metaphor and that's what you get from Bill. Right. If Bill draws the Joker 10 times, the Joker never looks the same way. Any of those times, one right. time it's just a puddle with a flower in it with, you know, next time it's a row of teeth. The next time it's the point of view of the green hair. You know what I mean? Right. And so you learn it. It's like, there's no, you know, singular way to tell a story. He's just an artist. You're supposed to make the shit up. Constantly challenging yourself. Well, anybody who's who's never seen my favorite, one of my favorite Bill works of all time is his illustrated Moby Dick. If you've never seen, oh, I gotta check that uh, out. I haven't seen that. That is abs. That is anybody who who who's familiar with Bill. I mean, Voodoo Child is great, obviously, and Straight Toasters, and and like you said, Mutants and everything he's done, but. He did a, he did an illustration an illustrated book of Moby Dick that that for me was my Bible when I looked at it I thought holy shit as a comic artist this this to me was like broke all the rules it was like wow he shows you what you can do you know as an artist with Moby Dick you know and right. and and anybody who's not familiar with it I mean they're always on eBay and I'm sure they're they're at Amazon and we're trying to work with a, a European publisher now to get it back in print oh that'd be awesome because for me it's fantastic i want to check it out it's, it's one of the best it's, when people ask yeah. me what makes a good you know what i think is good art i that one i always point him to the new mutants covers that that he did and then the other one is yeah. the bernie wrights and frankenstein card collection yeah which is yeah. just incredible you know god i can yeah. I yeah. yeah I love that yeah. stuff. <laughs> Bernie, or just Bernie Wright can Bernie Wright's in the first ten issues. Swamp, um, thing? Swamp thing. Oh god, that number yeah. eight cover <laughs> where he's doing that thing. Oh my god, <laughs> it's so <Yeah>. cool. <laughs> but, but the first for Bernie for Bernie it's everybody it's it's Frankenstein obviously but but like I said the, the, those that that run that little short run on Swamp Thing for Bernie yeah you know as a comic art for me was 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 fantastic what was your favorite thing when you started working on the hostage what was your like when you think back now you got this completed work you're ready to to go to print as soon as kickstarter's done send everything out but you had to sit down you had to outline you had to write it you had to pencil it ink it color it was there anything that like really stood out to you like wow i didn't know i was going to love it this much or is it really just the whole experience it's 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 kind of like you know, you, you see it coming together, but mm-hmm. you can't really tell. And, and then in your mind, you're always kind of, I don't know, are they going to want this? And, and, and I, I approached it from this point of view, I've done a million cons and I've, and I've set up an artist alley a million times yeah. and every indie guy I know, and a lot of the mainstream guys all are the same. They've all got one thing in common. They all talk about this indie project that they're going to do. Right. And I'll run into you 10 years later 
and you're still talking about it. You know? <laughs> right. And that was me with the hostage. Guilty. I, I had it, right? Yeah. So I decided I'm not going to say another word about the hostage until it's finished. Because yeah. Alex Ross, he would ask me every once in a while, hey, man, you still working? And I was so embarrassed that it wasn't done yeah. that I said, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to shock the shit out of him and, and not say a word. And when it's finished hundred percent, then I said, Alex, I got something I want to show you. Yeah. So I was, I was glad that I kept my mouth shut and I just said, finish the damn thing. And at some point you got to let it go. You know, you're going to always go, Oh, I mean, I still look back at some of those pages and go, Holy shit. I wish I would have fixed that or fixed this or that's terrible. Right. But it's done. You got to get it out, man. You got to just say, all right, enough already. It's done. So I'm glad that I, I kept my mouth shut. And, and then finally just said, Hey, take a look. Let me know what you think. I need fresh eyes yeah. to look at it. Cause I can't tell anymore. Right you now. I really can't tell anymore. Yeah. That's so true. That's it's like somebody who is constantly writing a book or somebody who's done a billion movies or, you know, they've done the same genre of movies. And then it's like, after a while you're like, dude, you need to step away. <laughs> you gotta let somebody yeah. else take yeah. that baby from you. Give you some well, pointers. you know, you got, it's important to just, you know, a lot of times we 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 have it in our head so much that almost it, it replaces actually physically doing it. Yeah. So you know, with the hostage, there were some sequences that I've already mapped out in my head so many times that when I actually came down to drawing them out, I was like, my God, it was they were second nature. But with with the hostage, I thought, how do there was there was no happy ending. I didn't want to be the the ugly American who just said, Hey, I'm going to have this, this situation or this narrative that solves the problems of these kids. Cause it's still going on. And it's actually a lot worse than when I was there. I was there in the eighties. It's a lot worse now. Yeah. And I thought, you know, and then the epilogue came from, I didn't want to write out a page just to say, Oh, thank you, Brazil. And blah, blah, blah. I wanted to <laughs> kind of give, you know, the, the reader a, a real strong idea of like, no guys, there was, there was something about this that just, you know, it, it really just kicked me in the ass. Yeah. You know, there was something that I needed to tell. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's some beautiful works out. It really is. I'm not blowing your smoke. I, I, I appreciate it. I seriously can't wait to be able to get it in my hands and read it and physically read it. I, I, I do like the PDFs, you know, sometimes people come on, they, they send us a PDF and especially if it's something yeah. from image or Marvel and then we get to read it yeah. and that's always yeah. nice. But there's something about having it in my hand that is just a different experience. I, I agree. I, I, I've tried to read comics online and I got to be honest with you. I'm, I like the textile feel yep. and I have to read a comic in person. I don't know how people read comics digitally. If they do, t- terrific, fantastic. Yeah. I can't even watch a movie on, on an iPad. I mean, I like to see it. <laughs> Television is kind of as far as I'll go, but with comics, yeah. no, man, I need to turn a page. I need to feel, I need to smell of it. You know, oh, I, I, got, I need that. So I got Marvel spotlight number five and it came to my house cause yeah. I ordered it off of eBay and it was in a slab. And the first thing yeah. I did was crack, 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 crack. Cause I got to read this. I'm not right. here just to stare at it on the wall. I want to read it. And right. I open it up right. and it just smelled yeah. like 1972, you know? Yeah. And I was yeah. just so excited to I sit mean, there and yellow, read it. Yeah. The zip tone, the yellow, yeah. you know, it's got the smell. I mean, there's nothing better than that smell. Yeah. And I, that's what I love about eBay is I, I, I buy reading copies. I don't care about the CGC. Yep. I'll buy whole runs. I bought, you know, Conan. I bought the whole run nice. of Conan the other day for like six dollars. Busema, great stuff. You know, you know, and and yeah, or Iron Fist, or you know, the Eternals, or J, you know, Kirby's run on New Gods. Yeah, you know, the Demon. 
you know, and it's like they got those smell, man. Yep. It's got that that it's good stuff. That sense memory <laughs> to take you back. Why you did it? Why you got into comics was because you know you loved it, and it was like getting bit by a vampire. You know? <laughs> I think that's a perfect place to end this. So good luck on everything. I, I appreciate you so much. Please come on anytime you have something going on, or if you just want to come on and bullshit comics, I can tell you and I would could probably sit for another two hours and just talk about comic books. Any anytime. Man. So you please. Know, I'm, I mean, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm as I'm as big a comic guy as there is. When we it comes we to should, being a fan. I would love to have you come back on and talk about your your work on the cons sometime because you've had a very interesting sure. work sure. life with the comic cons that I think a lot of people would be interested in. Because like Alex Ross is the last few times I've been to cons and there's been an Alex Ross section, he's taken a very different mm-hmm. apo- approach than all the other com- all the other artists. Very much more of a yeah. gallery style feel to me. And right, and right. I, I'd I'd love yeah. to get your 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 thoughts on it and how how that came about. Yeah, it it's it was just you know doing San Diego for twenty years it just became louder and louder and louder visually. Yeah. You know, everybody was trying harder and harder to get your attention. It was like Vegas when you'd walk down the, the, the main fire lane of San Diego. Yeah. And I felt, you know what guys, we can't, everybody was overlapping. It was turning into 10 pounds of shit in a five pound bag. And I said, <laughs> you know, we got to pull back. You yeah. Know, we've got to give the eye a place to rest because it's just becoming ridiculous. So I, I kind of stole the idea from Apple. It's kind of the Apple store mentality of let your eye rest, let it cool and create the gallery effect for you to, you know, people like to come up to the art and look at it. They yeah. like to see it close up. They like to walk through, they like the, you know, the carpeting, the bull and art is all about lighting and presentation. Yep. You know, if you don't have the right, you could take a tremendous piece of art, and if it's laying on a table in a Tupperware bin, like a lot of the original art dealers got the stuff strewn like shit yeah. or hung up there with duct tape, it looks like shit. And to me, it always was like, it was sacrilege. Yeah. So I thought, step back a little bit, man, like, let, put it in, a, you know, give it its proper due, put it in a frame, have a certain type of lighting, not all of it, obviously, but you know, take this stuff seriously. You know, yeah. it's it to me. It was it was treated with such disrespect, and I've been going to cons my whole life. And you remember, this, this stuff was thrown on tables, yep, and the places is. were written on the back <laughs> in pencil. Yeah, yeah, it was thrown like shit. I mean, it was like you were at a swap meet, and they were selling shoes or sandals. Yeah. So, I told Alex, I said, "Look, man, I, I want to do try something a little different." And it was some pushback. Yeah, you know, at the beginning. And, but I said, well, 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 what do we got to lose? You know, we can always go back the other way. And so it's more work. I mean, and it, but and it it's looks definitely so much nicer. <laughs> well, you know, it's also to me, I think, you know, I, I love this stuff. I revere this stuff. And so yeah. does Alex. So we kind of see eye to eye that way. And I did the same thing for Bill. I yeah. told Bill, I said, Bill, you know, you're going to piss off some of your fan base because a lot of people like Bill. You know, in Artist Alley, would you know, drawing there, yeah. coffee spilt everywhere. He's got paint on the floor. And that's great. That's who Bill's, that's Bill's DNA. That's who he is. But I said, Bill, there's nothing wrong also with having your own white walls framing some of your work and putting some lighting. And you could sit there and do your, do your thing, man. Yeah, yeah. But people need, 
I need people to see your work who don't care who you are, but they just see it and go, man, that's cool. Yeah. You know, I don't know who that is. I don't know who that character is. Because, Bill, it doesn't matter who the character is. You can look at it and go, man, that's cool. But you know, you, it doesn't have to be Batman. I think sometimes, though, it makes a difference in effect of that 20-year-old that might be with their parents. And the dad has yeah. – and this is just totally financial. But the dad has money and the 20-year-old doesn't. But he loves that. He, right. he loves the art. But then the, the parent that has the money sees it in a gallery, sees it in a way of the presentation of how it should be displayed with the lighting, the right. frame. And they're like, I could pay that. No problem for something like that. That looks amazing. Right. And they're willing to put that money down that, that, you know, a lot of people just don't have it there. But the people that do and they see it, they're going to go for it. And I don't think there's anything well, wrong with know, that. And, and, but see, that's why with Alex, I mean, we got a bad, you know, we, we got a bad rep with Alex of everything was too expensive. But it's like, yeah. look, man, with the, with Alex booth, we've got it. We've got stuff that starts at like 10 bucks. We've got yeah. poster. We've got lithographs. We've got your clays. We've got original art. But People will say, hey, you know, I can't afford an original piece of art. It's like, well, shit, neither can I. Yeah. You know, I mean, you don't go into a Ferrari dealership and say, hey, why don't you make a, a cheap Ferrari? It's like, well, guys, you know, it's 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 apples and oranges, you know, you buy a Nova. Right. What, what can I tell you? I mean, hey, it's like you don't need a Ferrari to go to work. That's right. So uh, I, that's why we created all the different tiers. I yeah. mean, we've got signed books. We've got CGCs. We've got the sketchbooks. We, we created, you know, we tried to create products for everybody. Now yeah. you're always going to get people that are pissed, but that's what a con what is. What are you going to do? Con is people. Pissed. Yep. Yeah. No, I mean, with cons, if, if you don't have bowls of free shit, people are pissed at you. You know, yeah. that's kind of the number one marker of the day was, and that's why DC had to get rid of the buttons because People used to just come and pour the whole bowl of buttons in their bag and walk away. No, and they were ridiculous. finally like, all right, no more free well, shit. Well, I think some people don't understand do how much it costs for that artist to even be there. They think it's like not all those artists are, you know, aren't people who get invited. Most of them are right. paying to be there. And it's not cheap for them to yeah. have to pay for the the ride, the hotel, and and do everything. Not everybody gets invited. Nothing. You know, yeah. and when you get to the no, level of Alex Ross, it, you're fine. That's what you, that it is what it is. That's what you need to pay. As an exhibitor, you, we don't, you don't get anything for free. You yeah. know I mean? If you're an invited guest and you're an artist alley or you're an invited guest and you're there, terrific. But right. as an exhibitor, the, the shows are tremendously expensive. Yeah. First of all, start at the beginning. I mean, New York comic-con is probably the worst there is. Well, the one in San Francisco used to be worse, but they don't have it there anymore. But New York comic-con and San Diego are, are tremendously expensive. Yeah. shows they charge you for everything carpeting padding electricity your teamsters your hotels your staff your food your travel i mean it goes it's endless you i can't oh. even hang my own art at yeah. san diego because it's it's a union job it's the teamsters so i have to pay these guys hundreds of dollars an hour to hang the art while i'm standing there i can't hang my own art oh that's crazy so, once you go in, you realize, hey, guys, I'm not here like, you know, just because it's a lost weekend that I got nothing better to do. Right. I mean, I'm here as an exhibitor. And so you got to sell. You understand that it, you it, you got to sell and it's yep. important. But, you know, when people cry, oh, sell, why is this? Why is that? I'm like, guys, I'm just telling you that I'm an exhibitor. I'm not here, you know, uh, to kill an afternoon. Yeah, it's tough. It is tough. It is and I'm tough. not a, I'm not an art dealer in the sense that most art dealers buy the work from the artist and then they sell it. Oh, you know, I didn't know, I didn't realize that's how it worked. I always thought it was a commission yeah. base. Well, 
some of them, some of them do it on consignment, but most of them like go to the artist in artist alley or, or, you know, straightforward. Yeah. We'll go to, you know, pick one, Eric Larson, Mike Mignola or whoever, and they buy the art from them directly for whatever they, you know, they, they decide to pay or they buy, right. you know, 20 pages. Right. They're buying in bulk. Though, so they're they going to get a mark- good deal. Yeah. A better they deal. mark it up and they sell it. So it belongs to them. See, yeah. I don't, I don't work that way. The, the art I have belongs to Alex and belongs to Bill. Yeah. And I, and, and I negotiate with them. I say, Hey guys, what do you, how do you feel about this piece? What do you want for this piece or where are we at? So I'm not an art dealer. You yeah. know, I'm like, Tom Hayden in the Godfather. I got like one client. I got just one guy. <laughs> the and, 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 <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, so when guys yell at me and, and everything is negotiable, any yeah. art dealer that tells you stuff is not negotiable is full shit. Right. So if you come up and as a person you're not happy with, just say, Hey, you know, how about, or what are you happy with? Or how yeah. do you feel about, and you find common ground. You just don't be disrespectful though. in your, in your offer. Well, no, no, it's okay. I mean, look, you're going to get all types of cons. And right. doing them for 20 years, the only thing that annoys the shit out of me is when they always think I'm Alex Ross. That's the only thing that annoys me <laughs> at this point. Are you going to come up to me a hundred? Are you going to come up to Emerald oh, City? A hundred times a day. hundred times a day? A hundred times a day. Yeah. And go, oh my God, I'm your biggest fan. And I go, well, that's you awesome. don't know what I look so like. So you bought the hostage? I, you know? <laughs> Yeah, well, if they think that if they if they they think hey it's Sal, terrific. But it's usually when I'm at the Alex Ross booth, it's always hey. And then the next question is why isn't he here? Yeah, you know, is he here? Why isn't he here? And I'm like, guys, he's just he's a workaholic. He doesn't like to take a week off, you know, to go to Comic Con. He's yeah. just all he's a yeah, machine. He's always painting. You know. Yeah, his work is stupendous. Bill, you'll see Bill there. Bill's always there. Bill's yeah. you know. He's he treats it like he's at Woodstock. He's always there. You are know? you when the cons are back? Do you guys come up to Emerald City? We did Emerald. I started doing Emerald Con back. God, when it was next to the the the, the baseball stadium. Yeah, I mean it, it is again original before. Yeah, yeah, before Reed. I started doing it, and we yeah. loved Seattle. Yeah, and then I forget what happened. I don't know if it was the timing of it or it was too close to something else. But then they moved it to downtown. And it blew up. I mean, it became yeah. like, you know, but Emerald was always one of my favorite shows because Seattle's such a great town. Yeah. They really and, support the arts. You know, great food. Yeah. Oh, and when I, when I was, when I came out with Atomica and I did it, it's, it's, it's the greatest town for like indie titles too. Yeah. You know I mean? It was like, there's a, there's a great outpouring of people that love independent comics in Seattle. So probably I think that's what I, I've been telling people that when we look ahead to 2022, because this year's forget it. It's a wash. Anybody yeah. that tells you there's going to be cons this summer is is you know. Right. But I think that you know Emerald is what in this in this early usually spring, it's in like March. Now. Yeah, usually it's in okay. March. So look at a year from March. That'll be kind of the first show of the year, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. So I I really look to Emerald to be the comeback show of the con season That'd for 22. That'll be the first one. And then you go into MegaCon and in Anaheim, and then obviously you got San Diego. Right. But I've seen Reed has planned Chicago for December. They have they have Emerald it, going in December this year too. But they're planning. We'll see. You know, God bless you, but yeah. I don't see it happening because nobody wants to travel. Yeah. You know? Well, I, mean, I wouldn't go unless I'm vaccinated of- and the numbers are super low. Right. 
See, because we, you go to cons because you want to enjoy yourself. Yep. You know, you want to see trade shows are about this. It's about shooting the shit and being yep. friends and talking to people and shaking hands and, and the camaraderie. When you lose that, nobody's going to go. Right. That's right. I mean, Reed is talking about doing something in New York in the fall and they're doing something here in, in December. But God bless you. But I don't know who the hell wants to come to Chicago in December. Right. You know, it's 20 below zero, two weeks before christmas and uh, i love maybe chicago. we'll have a handle on this yeah you know maybe yeah i, I don't know summers in but chicago are hard to beat yeah new york mm. the, the, the javits center which is is thunderdome anyway yeah so now you're going to take thunderdome and add the pandemic to it it's like not now not until like you said our numbers start to go down yeah well and, and new york was hit so hard i mean it was like a ghost town and, and the, the hospitals had, you know, the, I remember seeing the pictures of just bodies, you know, wrapped up outside the hospital. I mean, they went through yeah. hell and I just can't see, I, right. I could see them being more gun shy than a lot of other, or a lot of other cities. And because that show is always too crowded. Yeah. You know, the Javits center. You know, I love new. I always tell people I love New York, but I hate the Javits yeah. because it's, they put 10 pounds of shit in a five pound bag at the Javits. <laughs> they always let in way too many people. There's no bathrooms. The food situation oh. is, is, is like Garbage. you're in a third world country. I oh. mean, there's piss two inches of piss on the floor in the bathrooms. You got to run, you know, there's nowhere to get a cab and it's just, it's the Javits is a disaster. Oh. Now in fairness to New York, that neighborhood has changed a lot the Hudson yeah. Yards neighborhood around there they've done a lot of buildings so there'll be more restaurants there'll be more venues but not this year how about some bathrooms <laughs> and crazy some, right, I don't I don't have to go on the loading dock and piss in a Folgers can like I've done some years you know where it's, you know <laughs> do what you gotta do oh man well Sal <laughs> man if, if I say one more time if I ask you one more question I feel like we'll be talking for another 20 minutes because yeah, we're uh, two peas in a pod here. <laughs> I'm having a lot of fun. How do I get you back on? I'll just have uh, Jeff reach back out and we'll... Or just, yeah, reach out to me anytime. Plan of the time. Because I really, really want to come back you and, ha- and have my, more conversations you my, with you. You got my contact info and, you know, it's it's no problem. Just yeah. give me a holler. Oh, Glad that's awesome. Well, I really appreciate you coming on, man. Oh, no, thanks for having me and, and giving the, the hostage a shout out. It's a labor of love. I mean, it means a lot to me, so... Yeah. Yeah, so people listening, get out there to uh, kickstarter.com and just do a quick search for The Hostage, or you could probably just go straight to it, and we'll put it in the show notes and have that ready to go, and you guys can go right to it. Check out all the rewards that he has. He has some great rewards for you guys, and uh, get your copy because once it goes, it's going to be gone, and then you're going to have to be looking for it, and it looks fantastic. All right, Sal. We'll see you soon. Thank you. All right, man. And we're back. That's right. We are back. Back in the saddle again. Well, <laughs> I hope you guys really, really enjoyed that as much as we did making it for you. And if you like what you heard and you want to hear more, you got to go check out spoilerverse.com because at spoilerverse.com, we have a plethora. Plethora is such a, it's such a snobbish word. <laughs> I like it though. <laughs> It's, it's a good word. <laughs> we have an obscene amount of oh, interviews obscene. with amazing directors and artists of all 
walks of life and editors and writers and oh my god are you a lover of comic books like we are and then there's so many so many amazing people from the comic book world over at spoilerverse.com and i highly implore you to go there and check it out yeah, and while you're there, you can check out all the other podcasts on our network, like Bridges and Geekdoms and Funny Book Forensics and Haphazard Adventures and Nerds from the Crypt and so many more. Misery Point Radio. episodes all the time. Misery Point Radio. They've got a ton of great stuff out there. Go check all of them out. And check out all of the reviews and previews and articles we have going up every single day for you, every day on Swillivers.com for you to check out, to read, and to love, and to like, and to comment. We have a store link. If you want to help support the site, you can do it two ways. One, go to our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash country, or go to our store link in the middle of the site there and get a t-shirt, a face mask, a hoodie, something. Look fly as hell and help support the site when you do that because we get a dollar or two. And, you know, maybe you want to talk to us. If you do, you can do it you know, obviously on all the socials, but if you go to scpod.us slash discord, you can join our public discord server and come chat with us all day long. I couldn't say it better myself, dude. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You just mouthed out a ton of information at once. And really, <laughs> I hope you guys enjoy what you're hearing because we're, we're working our butts off to bring it to you. We are. We are. I guess there's only one left thing. One left thing? Yeah. I'm going to go with it. There's only one left thing left to do. What's that? In an oceans of podcasts, we are Cthulhu. As Cthulhu compels you to do. Open the mind. And... Even more.